Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, this is Confabulation. We have David, Skylar, Jill, and me, um, Bethel, today. Um, and of course, we're with our sister's house. Um, if you or anybody you know is experiencing domestic violence, please contact our sister's house at 253-383-4275 or visit oursistershouse.com. So this week, we're going to talk about missing white woman syndrome. And um, missing white woman syndrome basically describes um, when media outlets and basically the uh, general public talks about uh, missing white women a lot more than missing a woman of color or just anybody that's not a white woman. Um, and just recently, Gabby Petito's case has been all over the news like for weeks now. And um, that kind of inspired us to talk about this topic a little bit, especially with October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And now we're figuring out that Gabby Petito was in a DV situation. Um, we felt like it was relevant. Um, we also want to remind everybody, like not only white women go through domestic violence, um, anybody can go through domestic violence. And we do empathize with Gabby Petito's family and um, we're not trying to take away from her story or what happened to her, but we just wanted to shed light on um, the bias that the media and general public has when it comes to um, missing persons cases. Um when researching uh, missing white women syndrome and uh, the Gabby Petito case, I noticed some um, in one of the articles I was reading, there was a comment about how um, there, there's a lot of different factors that goes into missing white women syndrome. And a really big one is actually the police because um, the reporters that are reporting on um, the news and, and all the cases going on and writing those articles, they depend on um, there being the statements released from the police and the police determines uh, what cases they're going to ask for public help or public help on. Um, and then that goes into how there's already indoctrinated um, and, and institutionally institutionalized racism within um, the police departments throughout our country that goes into what cases they'll be choosing to share with the public and to report on and that narrows down what the reporters even have access to report on. Um, I just wanted to mention that um, because I read it in the research. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that Skylar because um this you know this is nothing new um the, i mean we've we've experienced this forever i mean when when do you see on television through through national media uh this woman is missing and that woman is um not only maybe not even um not only a person of color, but a specifically a black woman, right? An African-American woman. Um, we just never see this. We've never seen it through time at all. Um, you only see it like on Snapped or 2020 might do a little um, vignette of, 
of a few missing women um, just under the under the um, umbrella of the you know the phenomenon of missing women and one of that one of those women might be you know African American or a person of color so we just never see it so this is not new and um, law enforcement on the whole is integral to that you know Skyler is correct um, it just um, becomes an issue. Um, of systemic racism within law enforcement. And that practice is, um, you know, has been here since law enforcement has existed. So that's the, I think that's the key factor um, because media, yeah, they have their sources and they have their um, snitches, if you will, or whatever they call them, but um, outside of law enforcement as well. Um, so, but still, this is what we see through the media um, when someone white, when a specifically a white woman goes missing. It's all, everyone's all in arms that we have to find this woman. You know, we have to do something. We, yeah, because she's a white woman. What if, where, where is that type of support um, around black women missing? or other women of color missing is my question and why. I also wanna add um, in the research, I found that there was um, a study done where somebody analyzed coverage in the Star Tribune of Minneapolis, Chicago Tribune and Atlanta Journal Constitution, um, as well as CNN and they cross-reference all of the coverage in all of those with the FBI's national database of missing persons. And they found that um, although white women make up about a third of the national population, half of the articles in the data set were just about white women, which is pretty ridiculous. And again, you know, stems all down to um, systemic discrimination and racism. Um, and I also saw something in the research about how with white women, you rarely see, um, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but in the national conversation, there's not really a rhetoric of, oh, let's find a way to blame this on the white woman. But when it comes to um, people of color, it's usually like they'll find something in that person's past to kind of justify like, oh, it was bound to happen or like kind of like it's there's definitely not the same energy when it comes to white women versus other people of color that go missing yeah because we're not valued i mean haven't we weren't even considered human beings until what 1950s <laughs> right so we are literally and i'm saying we because i am a black female we are literally of no consequence Right, we don't matter. Um, the less we're seen or heard from, the better. And it's that type of um, that type of thinking and that type of um, of racist attitude that that is the reason we're seeing this phenomenon. Right, like I said, it's nothing new. Nobody nobody really cares about the black woman, um, and that and and. And I use the black woman instead of person of color 
because because the black female is is pretty much the poster child for up uh, for people of color if you will right what happens to black people overall happens to people of other people of color but it's experienced in a different way right it's that stigma of being black that kind of elevates the, the issue for black um, people and black women in general here. So, um, so yeah, we, we've never been of any consequence, never seen us on a milk carton. That also goes into the disproportional rates of um, missing persons being predominantly people of color, um, because also whenever there's an individual that wants to target someone else um, and commit whatever kind of crime um, or hurt someone, uh, the, the thought process lies under who's going to go unnoticed, who, who, who can I target that no one's going to care about or even notice is missing. Right, um, right. Yeah. And that always ends up being, or most of the time ends up being people of color and especially those that um, due to the oppressions faced in their life, they're forced into situations where uh, maybe they're homeless or have to engage in sex work to survive. And right. um, the, the police don't care about those people. And so when they're dropping like flies off the streets, no one notices, no one cares. Um, but right. it, it, like their lives still matter. They're still um, hu humans and individuals that had people that knew them and cared about them and loved them. And they had people that they knew and cared about and loved and um it's just not okay to be um, only validating one type of life because that's not realistic to who's actually here in in, in our society and, and participating with all of us. Right, and I think you bring up a good point about um, who's gone missing and who we care about has gone missing and who who's, who, who can, um, who's dispensable, if you will, in society, right? Because, I mean, a good example is serial killers. They, serial killers tend to um, find their victims within their own ethnic group, within their own racial group, right? Usually don't see white serial kill, usually, usually, um, and but because it has happened you usually don't see white serial killers killing black women right that just that's kind of unusual um but i think that i think that this has been brought to the forefront too because white women are extremely visible right and and since we live in a society that is dominated um, by white culture, um, then who, then they're valued the most over uh, over other women of different ethnic and racial backgrounds, um, and so you start seeing all these serial killers, right? And then they started saying, "Well, you never see black serial killers, right? <laughs> there were black serial killers." all the time, all around. It's just that they were killing in their own ethnic and racial group, which are black females usually. And so, and no one cared about them. 
like Skyler was saying, um, they're not they're not the ones that um, people care about who are gone missing. And this is, but this is how we found out about the number of black serial killers. You know, we used to think black people don't, you know, they don't they, they don't do that serial killer thing. That's white folks. No, it was black people too. It's just so under the radar because if you start looking at victims and their racial makeup. And then you start, you know, one thing leads to another. You're going to find the serial killer. Of course, the serial killer is white. But since you aren't looking at black victims, then that's not going to lead you to black serial killers. You, if that makes sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, we just recently in the last decade or so started finding more and more you know, black serial killers. Um, but it, but it wasn't because their victims were black and anyone cared to any extent. It was just because they're so they got so blatant and sloppy for the most part. Um, but yeah, this is this is I think this is a huge societal issue. Um, and it's something that law enforcement should be extremely concerned about. Um, because like you said, they're the ones that lead, that the media use for the most part to put information out there. And like kind of going off of what you both said, it's not exactly related to, I guess, this case or the um, topic, but like, I don't know if any of you have done research on like the experiments that like the US government used to do on, on people, but um, I had to do research for it a while back and I found that they specifically chose people that like were vulnerable because they knew that nobody would notice that they went missing. Um, and this is like the US government. So they also know <laughs> that yeah. um, there's a bias as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to bring up the fact, this is related to the Petito case. Um, have you heard of like people that aren't law enforcement or like the FBI going out of their way to try to find her fiance? And there's also like been people that are offering thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to like find him as well. Have any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that, that happens you know, when someone goes missing, they offer the reward, but they found her. And the, so this is after the fact of people rallying, you know, with monetary, you know, any anybody, if you have any information, you know, rewards and stuff like that. But think about it too. Um, this is a, this is a socioeconomic issue. What, I mean, economically, Who's on the upper end, you know, of that scale? You have all these concerned white people who have all these re financial resources to do these types of things as well, you know? Because, like, they see... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Um, those white people, they see Gabby as their sister, their family member, their friend, acquaintance, like, Yep. There was a study done that like white people don't view people of color as people, but as objects, which is why when we walk down the street or like on the sidewalk, they don't move for people of color because their brain doesn't register that people of color are humans, but that they're like 
objects. So it all ties in together. Oh yeah, that, that yes, because I mean, we used to we used to laugh walking down the street. Like we used to make fun. We're like, okay, here come some white people. Let's see if they move for us. And um, we used to do it all the time. Me and my sister, or me and one of my friends, or something. When we'd just be out and about, and they would never move, and we'd just start laughing because it was against the law originally to walk on the sidewalk um, if a white person was walking the opposite direction you had to go down off the off the street and in off of the sidewalk into the street you could not walk that was that was a law you could not walk um you had to give them leeway and so yeah it's a psychological thing they they just keep walking they don't see you they just bump in they do it at the grocery stores too bump into you with their cart you're nobody they just keep going Instead, you know, I'm always having to say, well, when I went to the grocery store, I'm always having to say, well, excuse you. You know, it just happens. These little teeny things over and over that just um, are anecdotal in of themselves. But when you start compiling um, more data around it, you see that it is a real phenomenon. It really, it really is. And it is due to them thinking not thinking of us as human beings but as objects I, i'm old so <laughs> a lot of this stuff has happened to me for years i mean i was born before civil rights so i like i said it can be anecdotal but but it's real you know um so gabby petito's dad they started a foundation to help um other families find the missing people, um, like their missing loved ones. And I think he said that like a part of the reason why they wanted to do that was because they recognized that the reason why their daughter was getting so much coverage was because she was a white woman, which is nice to hear from her family. Um, and it kind of sucks that she has to be the example, but also white people listen to other white people. Um, so hopefully I was talking to some of my friends about it. And now we were talking about hopefully like this whole situation will kind of like wake white people up who knows I don't really have any expectations but um it's just kind of like a hope and because like I don't think anything like this has really happened yeah, in, the, yeah. in recent years um this big of a case at least nationwide maybe we all have our like big cases within you know our communities but this is the whole country and even the whole world yeah I think that's really interesting I'm gonna have to you know, I go off and on about media news. Sometimes I just completely, just from the nature of um, our business and what we do um, and the self-care aspect, I'll just totally shut down off of media and news and what's going on. Um, and I'll go through like a couple of weeks of that. Um, but I'm going to have to look this case up and read more about it because um, I'm in one of those phases where I'm just shut down off of it, <laughs> off of media. Um, but that's very interesting. I didn't know that. I was not aware of that, that her family um, stated that that's huge because that's their daughter. That's their loss. And that is huge to come out and say something like that. What do you think, David? I think you guys are covering all the stuff. I, I, I honestly don't have as much to say, but I, I did not know that like, wait, so you're saying her family actually 
stated that this is like a problem that they white people are white women are you know service better when it comes to any type of services but especially i guess in this instance um the white woman syndrome or missing white woman syndrome um i'm actually reading an article about it and i was wrong so they didn't explicitly say that but they kind of implied that like they said it's not just gabby that deserves like all this kind of attention um so my apologies i thought i read that they explicitly said that i think what i read is like people citing him and then talking about how it's related to missing white woman syndrome yeah but that's still implied even implication uh, of saying the implications of saying something like that that's that's huge because it means you actually do acknowledge that you know there are other missing women out here of all ethnicities and racial backgrounds that deserve attention as well yeah they they're public somebody their attorney probably told them well we don't i could just see this you know like they may want to totally acknowledge that but the way it was worded didn't um um didn't quote unquote offend anybody white you know what i'm saying it stated it stated a realization but it didn't the way it was the way they worded that um the way they spun that didn't offend any or get any white people all up in arms about it right so they probably their their attorney or a publicist <laughs> probably did their job right there uh, you know um because i can't imagine what would happen if they came right out and said you know Gabby is a white woman and that's probably why she's getting all this attention. She's our daughter and we loved her but but she 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 was white. You know. I and also oh, go ahead. No, I just was going to repeat myself. I just can't imagine what does that look like? What would what would be the consequences of that? And they're also in Florida. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah forgot about I forgot about that Bethany yeah what yes I'm sorry could you be anywhere let's see maybe worse would be Texas or Mississippi <laughs> yeah yeah wow I also find it interesting how um like social media has been used as a source for more people of color to be able to um, like get their stories out and get support and like people banded behind them um and it's like it's even even though there are there's more like community awareness when it comes to online and getting that support the way that this gabby petito case has just like wiped through all social media especially tiktok has completely overwhelmed the the whole um what is it called algorithm the algorithm yeah algorithm. It's, it's completely overwhelmed the algorithm whereas um it like the kind of attention that people of color that are trying to get support from online communities get is it, it rarely ever compares to how much um this particular case has overwhelmed all platforms if at all if it ever compares 
Yeah. But there is, you know, there is that DV component um, in, in this. Um, and is this, is that getting lost in, in translation here with all the, you know, missing white woman syndrome stuff? I mean, is, is the DV component getting lost in all this or what's being said on social media about that? I think it's very much so being recognized that I, I think it depends on where you're getting the information. So some um, places are putting out a lot uh, about the DV uh, situation and part of the case. I actually saw a video that um, like circled a little part in the body cam footage um, from the police officer when they first got the calls about there being a domestic um, situation uh, and they pulled over Brian and Gabby in the little van when they're still both in the car and she rolls down the window you can see her doing that symbol that's on TikTok where you put your hand flat out and then your thumb in in your palm and then fold your fingers over into a fist um, she does that subtly and you can see it in in the video in the very corner um, but the police officers don't notice that and then by the end of um the police officers um talking to them they're separated and, and getting the story from both sides they come to the conclusion that um she would end up being the one if if any charges were pressed or um or any file was made it would be on her for dom domestic abuse and battery um and that that's something that I have found fairly interesting because that's not something that tends to happen in a, a DV situation with a white woman. Um, but yeah. it it still happened, and then that inevitably led to her death because um, they were they were let go, and um, there was no suspicion on Brian and then um their situation got worse yeah but I think as a legal advocate um it, I see this I, I probably it just when you're a DV advocate I think um certain things come out from the client you you or from the victim survivor come out but when you have to start getting into legal aspects of their case um, and they're wanting legal help, other it, it's kind of a different dimension, right? So other things start coming out. Whereas I've seen that quite often where the victim is arrested and charged. Um, and I've seen it in DVPO court too, where the victim and the abuser both file DVPOs. There's one, it's a he said, she said, one may have a little bit more um, of a convincing story um, or maybe even um, some, um, some evidence, but I've seen it in DVPO court too. So what I, I think once you start crossing into the legal aspects of, of how, um, DV um, affects a survivor or victim. You start seeing other little stuff. And yeah, I've actually seen that quite often. Um, 
only because if I get a client and they're telling me about what happened when the police showed up um, from a legal perspective, from information I would want to gather, um, then that's when that starts, a, a lot of that starts coming out. And then you get to see, you know, if you attend the hearing or you, you know the outcome because your client has called and told you that, what the outcome is, or if your client goes to jail and somebody in the family is calling you, hey, she's in jail, that's when you start seeing that more and more often. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think it is, um, you know, the, the, the bulk of, of um, arrests when there's um, DV altercation involving law enforcement, but I think there's a fair, fair amount, a fair percentage of it that rolls that way. I wanted to also add that I think yesterday um, more body cam footage was released for the first time. And um, I think that footage explicitly showed that Gabby was hit by her fiance. And um, I didn't watch the video. I only watched the, the, the first body cam footage that was released. Um, and basically Skylar went over what happened there. But yeah. I read like the comments from, uh, from both videos. So the first video people were saying, oh, law enforcement needs to be trained on like how to uh, spot domestic violence. But then when you see the second body cam footage, they were told that Gabby was like hurt by her fiance, but they still didn't do anything. So then it's like, okay, so they knew that there is something probably going on, but they still probably didn't make the right decisions for her to be completely safe. And then I also wanted to point out that like people were wanting, um, law enforcement to have more training on what like domestic violence and how to spot in like how to respond to it but also like it's reported that 40 percent of law enforcement abuse their families so it's kind of that's where it gets tricky where it's like there's such a high number of people that work in law enforcement that probably have a domestic violence situation at home where they're perpetuating it but yeah. then they go to work and they're expected to deal with people who come to them for help because of domestic violence. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's all about power and control. And if you are an abuser, boy, oh boy, can you take advantage of that if you're in law enforcement? I mean, you, that's just a carte blanche, a car, a, get a, 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 a free card to abuse because they have access to so much information and they have access to so much power um, and con control of, um, of, of, of a community um, that it just, it just makes for like dynamite in a match. Yeah, we actually saw a case like that in Tacoma, I believe it was around 2003. Um, the, I think it was the chief of police of the Tacoma Police Department um, was abusing his wife to the point where she, she ended up dying. Yeah, that's um, why we have the family, just, Crystal Judson Family Justice Center because the wife was Crystal Judson. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, this is that's military too. Any 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 um position of power, not just law enforcement, but military is rife with with um domestic violence like that. Yep. And uh some of the questions like they ask that well what I've heard from clients is like the police will ask them or tell them they're the victims that oh there's no bruising on you. Bruising doesn't happen until like a day after or a day or two after the incident so how could that be you know or like being able to spot somebody that has been strangled strangled like you know sometimes that doesn't pop up until later on so you know yeah i think david you make a good point because i think like um bethel was saying you know law enforcement needs more training they need more forensic um training regarding dv because if they had more forensic training, they would they they might kind of understand or know those things. Um, so, yeah, they, that's why that's why um, you know you see these things where the abuser gets to go free and the victim is taken to jail or 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 cited for something, you know. I just say this is an interesting case for a lot of the reasons we all pointed out here today. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of components to it. Yeah. Okay. So um, thank you for tuning in uh, to Confabulation this week. It was a pretty uh, intense topic and we'd like to hear your thoughts about it. So um, feel free to um, email us, uh, comment anywhere you see this and whatnot, um, and hopefully we can continue the conversation. Uh, so again, if you or anybody that you know is experiencing domestic violence, please contact our sister's house at 253-383-4275 or visit our website, our, our, our sister's house.com. Thank you so much.